Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. If you've got a Bible, I want to ask you to turn to three spots if you're up for it. You can open up to Job chapter 1. We're going to start there. Then you can put a marker in 1 Samuel 30. And another marker in John chapter 11. So Job 1, 1 Samuel 30, and John chapter 11. If you don't want to turn to all those places, you can just, on your phone, your smart device, just follow along as we get there. This weekend, we're continuing our series entitled Stumbling Blocks. And we're talking about another one of the difficult ones. And some might ask, why are we talking about this particular subject on Father's Day? a day where we're supposed to celebrate. This is the point where I remind you, my job is just to do what I'm told, okay? My my job is not to script everything out. In fact, sometimes when I've tried to script it out, it goes the worst. So uh, this is just what I felt like the Lord uh, asked for this weekend. Wasn't even thinking about it being Father's Day. So um, we're going to dive right into this because what we're going to talk about today is disappointment one of the big stumbling blocks as a follower of Jesus Christ can be disappointment. And so I'm, this is one of those messages where when the Lord gave me the burden for it a couple of weeks ago, uh, he kind of attached to it a line that I get every once in a while. um, And that is, Preston, this isn't going to be about the message. It's going to be about the moment. There's a moment I want. And that's what this weekend is going to be about. It's going to be about the moment between me and my children. So we're going to try and breeze through the message because honestly, one of my weaknesses is whenever I feel like the Lord says there's going to be a holy moment, I stop caring about the sermon a little bit. Okay. So uh, you might be that way too. So we're just going to try and get through this. I'm going to fire a bunch of scriptures and a bunch of one-liners. I'm not really even going to teach or preach all that much. But for those of us who have struggled with disappointment or are struggling with disappointment or at any point will struggle with disappointment, this one's for us. And incidentally, that's every single one of us. All right. So even the most optimistic person in the room who acts like they're never disappointed, you know what we call you behind your back? A liar. (laughs) But let's, let's kind of work with the, the same, uh, Definition of the word disappointment. Disappointment is a feeling of sadness or displeasure when things don't go as expected. This word expected or expectations is very important because it's, it's kind of what uh, opens the door to disappointment. Expectations are a mixture of our hope for what could be and our prediction of what we think will be. So think about that. Expectations are one part my hope for what could be down the road, and one part, my prediction of what it actually will be. And expectations can create some space for disappointment when expectations aren't realized. Now, we're gonna answer two questions the way we have been the last month plus. Here's question number one. Where can disappointment be found? Where can you find disappointment? I'm going to give you three different places. Here's the first place. Disappointment can be situational. We can be disappointed in situations that we step into in life. 
If you're in Job chapter one, this is uh, about as dark a situation as one could find themselves in. Starting in verse 13, this just, we're gonna go through about six verses. And if you think your life is tough, imagine being Job on the day this all went down for him. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting at the oldest brother's house, a messenger arrived at Job's home with this news. Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. In other words, it was a completely normal day until the Sabaeans raided us. They stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, while these words were coming out of this messenger's mouth, another messenger arrived with this news. The fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, a third messenger arrived with this news. Three bands of Chaldean raiders have stolen your camels and killed all your servants. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger arrived with this news. Your sons and daughters were feasting in their oldest brother's home today. And suddenly, a powerful wind swept in from the wilderness and hit the house on all sides. The house collapsed and all of your children are dead. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Job 6, listen to the way he describes his disappointment. Verse 2, if my misery could be weighed and my troubles be put in the scales, they would outweigh all the sands of the sea. I know us church people like to act like everything's all right. I want to show you in your own Bible so I'm not going to teach through point number one. I just want to read point number one. Disappointment can be situational. We've all had moments in life that felt like the day Job had. It's one thing, then it's another thing, then it's another thing. It's like it all just piles up. It creates disappointment. I didn't think this is the way life was going to go. God, I didn't think it would turn out like this. Why is this all happening to me and us all at the same time? As long as you live in an imperfect world, you will find yourself disappointed by situations caused by imperfect circumstances. We don't live in a perfect world yet. Remember, I believe one of the reasons why we experience disappointment and God gave us the ability to be disappointed is he puts something in us that craves something better than what is now. And he's preparing it right now. But it doesn't mean we're not gonna be disappointed in the here and now. Second place you can find disappointment. Disappointment can be relational. Disappointment can be relational. Some of us, uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, can be a reminder of some disappointment that's found relationally. First Samuel chapter 30, if you put a marker there, this is about David and his mighty men, his inner circle, men who were laying their lives down, putting their lives on the line for one another. 
And they were heading back from Aphek. Uh, David had been told he was not going to be allowed to fight with the Philistines. And so they're going back home. And watch what happens. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. But God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. God, I'm following David. And I come home and everything's gone. It's not supposed to work out like this. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. When was the last time you cried so much you couldn't cry anymore? Are you even allowed to? Are you even allowed to be sad? Are you allowed to be disappointed? Do you let yourself? These men, incredible warriors, following God's man, come back and everything's gone. These mighty, strong men, better warriors than anybody else in Israel. And they come home and these strong men become weeping little boys. Verse six, David was now in great danger. This is how heavy their disappointment was because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. Can you even imagine being David and putting your life on the line to lead these men? And now, behind your back, they're talking about killing you? Incidentally, the very next sentence is a very important one. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. Why did David strengthen himself in the Lord and not in his friends? Because the Lord was the only one he had. Everyone else was talking about killing him. So he ran to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. Why? Because he was incredibly disappointed by the relationships around him. God, I thought they'd be faithful. God, I thought it would be forever. I never thought this relationship would turn out like this. I never thought this person would hurt me like this. As long as you're in relationship with humans who are imperfect, you will occasionally be disappointed by the behaviors, weaknesses, and choices of people who find it impossible to be perfect. You do know that's everybody, right? That's all of them, including you. If you expect everyone in your life to be perfect, you'll never get the opportunity to celebrate any of the people in your life who aren't perfect. It's one of the things I try and establish in marriage counseling from the get-go, in pre-marriage counseling, that if one of the two has this idealistic, he or she is perfect mentality, I try and help them understand, you do realize there's only one way to go from there. Down. Don't set them up for failure. 
it's just going to exacerbate the disappointment. People are human, which means they're not perfect this side of heaven, which means there's always going to be an open door for a little bit of disappointment relationally. Preston, that, that seems really pessimistic. No, it's realistic. I don't wake up every day. You don't wake up every day and go, I'm going to be disappointed by everyone I love today. <laughs> but we do have to wake up knowing that it's a possibility. Otherwise, the enemy can drive a Mack truck through it and not just get us disappointed in someone we love, but get us to turn our back on someone we love because we're disappointed by what they've done. Here's the third place disappointment can be found. Disappointment can be spiritual. Flip over to John 11. Disappointment can be spiritual. It's actually possible to be disappointed in God. I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong, but it's entirely possible for us from time to time to be disappointed in God. And John chapter 11 is a really important passage of scripture. Many of us look at it as the story of Lazarus, but within the story of Lazarus, there are two very important women, Mary and Martha. And Jesus was very close relationally with Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Watch what happens. Verse 1, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Okay, establishing very intimate fellowship relationally with Jesus. These people were tight with him. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, and I love the way they worded it, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Okay, maybe a little bit of manipulation right there. Lord, the one you love very, very much. You know, they're kind, they're kind of relationally obligating him to do what they want. Lord, to the extent that you love us, you'll do this. Kind of sound familiar from some of our hearts? Lord, the one you, you love dearly is really, really sick. You better do something. Verse five, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. He knew Lazarus was dying. And yet he stayed. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been dead and in his grave for four days. Jesus, you're late. What's the point now? You're supposed to be here then, but now is not then. You're late. And Mary and Martha don't have any problem letting Jesus know. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. I wonder if it was because she was disappointed. Martha said to Jesus in front of people, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you imagine talking to the son of God like this? You know why this is so important? It shows us he's okay. He's okay with our disappointment, even in him. Incidentally, you know this is the passage with the shortest verse in the entire Bible. Jesus wept. Yes, but do you know why? Do you know why Jesus wept? Because Mary and Martha were weeping. Mary and Martha were weeping. 
And so Jesus wept with them. Verse 32, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. She blames him too. Think about this for a second. If you don't think Jesus cares about your pain, about your disappointment, he knew he was about to bring Lazarus back from the dead in moments. And yet because these two women, his friends, are weeping before he brings Lazarus back from the dead, he weeps with those who are weeping. Even knowing the rest of the story. See, some of us are disappointed in God because we think the story's over, but we're just in the middle. He hasn't finished yet. His ways are higher than our ways. But listen, it's okay to be disappointed in him. I'm not talking about sinning in our disappointment. I'm talking about Mary and Martha were disappointed in Jesus. As long as you do not totally and completely understand God's ways, you will find it easy to be disappointed in God when God doesn't do things your way. This is actually why we get disappointed in God. It's not because he's no longer perfect. He'll always be perfect. The reason we typically get disappointed in God is because he didn't do what we thought he should have done. Again, coming back to the expectations, not really to the one sitting on the throne. It's my expectation of what he should have done. So how do we deal with disappointment? So that's where we can find it situationally, relationally, spiritually, how do we deal with it? First, I'm gonna give you four things. Be honest with yourself about your disappointment. Don't lie to yourself. Church people do this all the time. We do it in meet and greet. We don't just lie to ourselves, we lie to others. Hey, how's it going today? Fine. Fine can be one of the biggest lies on planet earth. I saw a shirt this week, I couldn't have scripted this. I saw a shirt this last week that said, I'm fine, it's fine, everything is fine. <laughs> have you ever heard somebody say that before? Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Hey, how's it going? It's fine. Hey, how's everything? Everything is fine. It doesn't sound like it's fine. But that's, that's just what we do, right? We just kind of push through. We don't even let ourselves feel what we're actually feeling. It's like, like we're children again and we, we fall and scrape our knee and we hear this voice that says, get up and keep going, don't cry about it, you're fine. I don't think that's how God talks. That wasn't how Jesus was talking to Mary and Martha. He wept with them, even though he was about to pull off one of the best miracles he did those three years. He can handle their disappointment. But can you handle your disappointment? Are you honest with yourself about your disappointment? I wanna give you a couple of questions. Let me say this, it's not a sin to be disappointed. Now we can sin in disappointment, but it is not inherently a sin to be disappointed. Jesus helps us understand that in John 11. Let me give you four questions to help you be honest about, with, and in your disappointment. Question number one that will help you be honest. Did I set my expectations too high? 
Every Cowboy fan asks themselves this question <laughs> halfway through every NFL season. Did I set my expectations too high? If I were to be honest, it's usually about week five for me every season. <laughs> Shoot, I did it again. I thought we were going to win the Super Bowl and we're going to be another 8-8 eight and eight team. Did I set my expectations too high? This, this might really rouse some of you up, but when I was getting ready to come plant this church, I was surrounded by some, some great heroes there in Dallas, and they were supporting me, and, and there was a lot of excitement. I'd been there you know, for over a decade. Uh, they'd prepared me for this, and they were supporting me and us. And so there was a lot of excitement behind closed doors about how this would start. It was our first church plant as Gateway. And so, I mean, they're, they're all riled up and, and numbers are being thrown around, you know, Preston, it's, it's going to start with a thousand people. Preston, it's going to start with 800 people, you know, all this stuff. And I'm, I kind of started believing that, I mean, these are my heroes. Until one day, alone with the Lord, the Lord goes, no, it's not starting like that. I'm like, okay, well, why don't you tell me how it's going to start? Very, very small. What are you talking about? They're all going like a thousand. He's like, no, no, no. Think more like 50. Do what? Yeah, yeah. Preston, I have a process for you. And if I let you go all the way to that from the beginning, it won't be good for you. Well, Lord, it sounds like this other path is a little painful. And you just feel like the God of the universe goes, mm-hmm. Right. Some of you might think, man, Preston, it seems like God was lowering your expectations. That's not what I would call it. I think he was calibrating my expectations. Some of us live in this idealistic world where it's like, if I just do right, the best outcome is always going to happen. How many of us have learned that's not how the world works? If I just do right, 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 I'll win the lottery. <laughs> Bro, it don't work like that. In fact, sometimes it's the opposite. And remember why, there's a process. Did I set my expectations too high? Sometimes the key to not being overwhelmed with disappointment is always trying to have realistic expectations. If you go into your marriage thinking it's gonna be perfect, I hate to inform you, you're just gonna be disappointed. I'm not telling you to go into marriage thinking, well, I married a donkey. <laughs> so that every day will just be better than I expected. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> what I'm telling you is go into it realistically. This person I'm marrying is human and so am I. You know how much time I've spent in ministry moments with people across the desk? Who, who are going through really difficult stuff simply because they put so much expectation on themselves to be borderline perfect that when they couldn't pull it off, all their world started to collapse and crumble. Realistic expectations. You wanna be honest with yourself about your disappointment? Just ask yourself, is this just a case of me setting expectations too high? Is this actually not about my situation? Is it more about my expectations were unrealistic? Question number two. Did I set my expectations on the wrong thing? Maybe you thought, well, if I could just get this job, everything will be perfect. Everything will be right. Then you get the job and it doesn't work out like that. 
Well, does it make the job wrong? No, it just make, makes your perspective of the job wrong. Listen, God won't allow something to fulfill us in every way possible because that's his job. Did, did I put my expectations on the wrong thing? Did I put my hope on the wrong thing? Hope in the wrong object always leads to a worse outcome than you hoped for. Here's the third question. Am I grateful for what I have? This is what I, I like to call the all or nothing lie. And this, I, I was, I told you a little bit about this last weekend. On my birthday, I turned 44. I've never had this happen. Uh, I think some people call, like just go to a oh, midlife crisis. I, I think the enemy looks for specific moments to try and attack. And I learned, this is the first time it's ever happened to me. Maybe a birthday is it a day where he waits to store up some bullets to fire at us from time to time. And on my birthday, I, I feel like I, I took a few shots. I did not anticipate being holed up in my prayer closet, weeping like a little boy because I was disappointed about a couple of things. I didn't see it coming. And here's what happened. I mean, the morning of my 44th birthday, getting texts, all this stuff, all the love, you know, da, da, da. But because I was experiencing some pretty heavy disappointment in, in a couple different things, I feel like this cloud just moved in. And for a couple of hours, here was my thought process. Everything is awful. I was disappointed in two things. And somehow, in the matter of a couple of hours, the enemy had me convinced I was disappointed in everything. This is the all or nothing lie the enemy tells us when we're disappointed. It's a lie to believe that if I'm unhappy about one thing, that I cannot be happy about anything. Healthy human beings learn how to protect their overall happiness while allowing situational unhappiness. It's okay to be unhappy about this thing. But, but you know how many times I've sat with couples who've been married for decades and they are wanting to kill each other. And we get to the root of it and it's simply they were disappointed about this one thing that had nothing to do with the marriage. But they bought the devil's lie that if you're disappointed about one thing, unhappy in one area, you have to be disappointed in everything, unhappy about everything. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's the lie of transference. I'm disappointed here, so I got to put my disappointment on you. My disappointment has nothing to do with you. How tragic if I would ever put it on you. Here's question number four. Am I asking God how to move forward? This is for those of us who love to stay stuck emotionally. We just like to be ticked. Leave me alone, I'm in a way. What you're actually saying is, let me have my way emotionally. I don't wanna get up from here. Many people stay stuck too long because they wait too long to ask God how to get unstuck. But here's what concerns me as it relates to disappointment. Disappointment can turn into a very slippery slope. We must be careful how we deal with disappointment because if we remain in a state of disappointment for too long, it can turn into discouragement, then despair, and even into depression. If I were to be very honest about what I was feeling in, in my prayer room, I felt like the enemy was trying to, to fast forward me to depression. 
two things I'm really disappointed in, and then whoop. No, 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 no. I got some incredible things going on in my life, and so do you. It's healthy to be disappointed in one thing and not transfer disappointment to everything. Here's the second thing that we have to do to deal with our disappointment. Turn toward God in your disappointment. Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose hearts are crushed. When I was back there, not dealing with the Lord at all about it, I was keeping it away from him. And literally, when you feel the God of the universe, just sweep in and go. Preston, why don't you turn towards me? You're in this room where we spend time together, but it's like you're, you're being distant. What I realized was I just went in there because it's the place where I feel safest in my life. But I wasn't really talking to him. I was just trying to deal with my stuff. And then when you hear the God of the universe say, Preston, I come close to the brokenhearted, but you're keeping me at bay. You're acting like your heart isn't broken. And then when he said that, and I realized, and I said this to Holly, I think what I'm feeling is actually even deeper than what I think. I think I'm actually a lot more hurt by this than I understand. And when he said, I'm close to the brokenhearted, but you're not letting me have access to your broken heart, I lost it. I lost it. In disappointment, the number one worst thing we can do is turn away from God who loves to sweep in to the brokenhearted. Jesus went on record and said, I came to heal the brokenhearted. But some of us pull the Heisman and go, get away. Don't touch me. My heart is hurting. It's the worst thing we can do. Hiding from God when you're hurting leads to hurting even more for even longer. He comes near to the brokenhearted. Here's the third thing. Don't just turn toward God in your disappointment. Tell God about your disappointment. That was the next thing to happen. And if you want to know, this is actually, this last three things is a recipe for lament which is a scriptural act. Lament means to give an honest, faith-filled complaint to God. When he said, Preston, I come close to the brokenhearted. Come close to me. Turn towards me. Let me come close. And then when you feel like he says, and tell me all about it. And I started to. I started to say, and I could have handled probably a hundred different things, but this is the one I don't think I can handle. Like the little boy can't handle this. This is too much. And he didn't try and fix it. Here's what I felt like he said. I know, and I'm sorry. And I mean, I just wept. And some of you, and this happened on Thursday night, when I'm very vulnerable like this, some of you feel like you have to rescue me. And it's very sweet. I'm not broken. This is human. To cry is human. But let me go a little bit further. While crying is human, lamenting is Christian. An honest, faith-filled complaint to God. And I said, I tried to do everything. 
and it didn't work. And I never wanted it to get to this. And my heart is hurting. And sometimes you just need to hear the God of the universe say, I know. And I'm sorry. I think that's the vibe Mary and Martha got from Jesus that day. Even though he knew what he was about to do. Jesus knows what he's about to do in my life. Next. I don't. Yet he still, it felt like to me, sat with me for a moment in my pain and in my disappointment. Tell God about your disappointment. Expressing our disappointments to God is the opposite of harboring them in your souls. Then here's the fourth thing. If you want to deal with disappointment, trust God in spite of your disappointment. Trust him. Don't use disappointment as a reason to stop trusting God. Now, we're going to spend some extended time in a house of God, in the presence of God, worshiping God. And I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. It's absolutely true. Over a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. There's an entire book of the Bible called Lamentations, the book of lament. Here's my favorite way to see the word lament. A lament is a prayer for God to act. And when I didn't realize on my birthday, when I was weeping and being honest before the Lord about my disappointment and my hurt, because I didn't realize in the moment that my daddy was going, I know, I know, but I got this. You don't understand what I'm going to do next. Preston, you've been honest with me about your disappointment. You lamenting to me. It's my child crying out for me to act. I think it's one of the reasons the enemy doesn't want us to ever lament. Because when we lament, we're crying out to God, do something, do something I can't do. So we're gonna take the next five or so minutes in the presence of God, doing something some of you may have never done before, lamenting. Sharing our disappointment with God. An honest, faith-filled complaint to God. Just right where you are, I want you just as though no one else were in the room. If you feel comfortable, just quietly. Don't just have this conversation in your mind or your heart. Use your mouth. You talk to people over coffee. Talk to God in this moment. Just begin to be honest with him about your disappointment. This is an act of worship.
You are 
You can just feel how close he is. Near to the brokenhearted. To his beloved. At the end of my little time just now with the Lord, at the very end, I just, I was kind of laughing. Lord, it's Father's Day and this is what we're doing. And immediately I just felt like he said, Preston, this is what daddies do. This is what daddies do. When you bring your broken heart to me, I hold you. It's not about making it better in the moment. It's just about being present in your pain. God is here. I want to ask you to stand. We're not done. Because while this would be a great way to end, there's nothing wrong with it. I think there's an even better way. Exodus 33. I think Moses is describing a little bit of disappointment to God. God's been speaking to him about the land of the promise, promising him. He's leading the people in that direction. And Moses says, you keep telling me about this promised land, but you're not telling me who's going with me. And we know Moses would get overwhelmed because he felt he did not have enough of the people around him to do what God had called him to do. And I believe he was lamenting to God about his disappointment at not having the people around him he needed. While being so close to the promised land, he's lamenting. And God says, I haven't told you who's going with you. How about I go with you? And I'll give you rest and everything will be fine for you. And Moses goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I didn't even think about there being an option for you not going with me. Don't ask me to go anywhere, you're not going. God said, I won't, because I look favorably on you. And Moses goes, well, if you look favorably on me, show me your glory. He goes from lament to chasing after God, looking at what was disappointing him and then turning towards God and going, okay, in this moment, why don't you just show me a side of yourself you've never let me see before? Show me your glory. Don't let me get too focused on what's disappointing me. Show me you. And it's not ironic that in worship we sang this song, show me your glory. So this is the way I think we need to end the service. Not just crying out to God in my disappointment, but turning towards God in disappointment and saying, I'm not gonna fixate on this stuff. Yeah, it hurts, but I'm gonna come after you even more. Show me your glory. So I want us just to open up our hearts and before we leave today, I want us just to cry out to the God of the universe to show us himself in a way we've never been allowed to see him before. Come on, let's worship together. No matter how disappointed, let's worship him. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.